Hey everyone, and welcome to the Community Exchange Podcast brought to you by OpenWeb. On this podcast, we track the development and growth of the community economy by talking to the leaders in media, tech, trust, and beyond who are bringing it to life. Continuing our series, today's episode was recorded in front of a live audience of about 100 people from the publishing and advertising industry. If you want to attend a live webinar like this one, um, not all of them will be featured on this podcast, be sure to follow OpenWeb on LinkedIn and check out openweb.com for past live streams. Um, but today, here, we're bringing you our discussion with Rob Meadows. Rob is the president and co-founder of the AI Foundation. He's a leading voice in the AI world and the founder of multiple AI-driven companies. Um, under Rob's leadership, the AI Foundation has done some really incredible work. They partnered with Microsoft and Adobe to release a deepfake detector called Reality Defender. This aids in the fight against misinformation. They launched AI.xyz, a service through which anyone can create a digital AI personal assistant. Uh, in a statement on their website, the foundation writes that they hope that AI.xyz is a, quote, tangible example of how we're going to get along fine with AI rather than be terminated by them. Uh, let's hope so. Um, we cover a lot in this episode. Rob discusses his experience founding multiple AI-driven companies and shares his insight on why he believes that AI can help publishers tackle some of their toughest challenges. Uh, it was a great talk, so let's get to it. So first of all, let's start by discussing a little bit of your work at the AI Foundation. Um, you know, looking into it before this, I got a chance to look into some of the work that, that you do there. It's really interesting stuff, really cool stuff. Um, and a lot of the projects you've been involved in CEO and co-founder of the organization. They're just awesome. Um, so what inspired you to start the AI Foundation and what ideas and projects are you most excited about now? Yeah, so I've been doing AI well before AI. And, you know, AI is very, very hot right now with the generative AI. We started AI Foundation uh, five plus years ago, really focusing on synthetic media, which, you know, we call deepfakes now. You know, how can those be helpful? How can those be damaging to fabric of truth? And, um, you know, the ultimate mission is to make sure technologies like that get into the right hands and we put out the antidotes to prevent them from doing the harm in the world. So we've incubated several companies around this type of research and, you know, ultimately have, have now at this point been able to really fight the fight against, you know, this information deepfakes and, you know, misleading content on the internet, as well as put, put some of this type of technology in the hands of people that can use it for good, can use it in education, can use it in, in healthcare and, you know, use it to, to make a positive impact in their own lives and their employees' lives. So that's, that's a never ending mission to make sure that the, the most interesting technologies get in everyone's hands. But um, excited, excited that it's a, a very aligned mission with, with open web as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things I know that AI foundation did recently was AI.xyz, the, um, personal AI assistant. I love in the press release, um, I saw on the website or at least the, the blurb on the website before going to the press release where it says, hopefully this will, something to the effect of hopefully this will teach people that, um, AI does not have to be. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be our doom. It could actually help us, um, yeah. which, yeah, yeah uh, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, starting with use cases that are fun, educational. If it gets it wrong, it doesn't kill you. You know, it doesn't drive you off a cliff. It doesn't misdiagnose your disease. You know, I think 
media entertainment is a really interesting place to start trying AI. You know, it's, it's non-deterministic, it's experimental, but can make a really positive impact. And, and I've been excited to see how many people have jumped into playing with generative AI, not just AIXYZ, but, you know, ChatGPT and these other platforms. So the more, the more people get familiar with it and get hands-on, the, the better the future will be here. And you mentioned media and entertainment as a place um, to experiment. So talk about it. Let's talk about publishing and media. Um, obviously, as we've been saying, you know, AI has dominated so much of the conversation this year in the world of publishing, MarTech even. Um, so what, in your opinion, are the, you could say maybe top kind of publishers should be leveraging? Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious one is around content creation. You know, the I would still grade the content that a large language model spits out as kind of a, a B plus, really a, a C average. So you're, you're not going to all of a sudden replace, you know, amazing journalists and editors and, and writers, but generative AI as a tool to assist them, you know, can be used in brainstorming, can be used to write a first draft that you can then go take from a C to the A plus. And I think these AI as a tool to work with you not replace you is, is really the mindset that, you know, we at AI Foundation, humans not replace humans. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of interesting things around content creation and, and brainstorming and creativity as a tool that, you know, I, I think any company into right now. Um, Obviously, monetization is an important area of content creator, unless you really are nonprofit and altruistic and just want to put your content out there, thinking about what are creative ways to, to monetize it as we need to move from third-party data to first-party data. AI can be helpful in, in helping discern things about your, your readers and help to, to find creative, trusted ways to, to monetize the content. Um, and then, you know, lastly, I think the engagement around your content, the, the conversations that ensue, the, um, whether that's on your platform or off your platform and, and social media, um, I think AI can help, you know, create better, safer conversations, help inspire people to engage um, in, in interesting ways there. So I, I think that, you know, don't just read the article for a minute, have a conversation with it. Have a conversation with an AI about what you just read. There's lots of fun ideas that we can do there. And so the last thing you mentioned there, engagement safety. Um, let's dig into that a little bit. Something that we hear from our partners a lot, um, questions about this kind of, from our perspective, Open Web, what are you doing? Um, and this is because publishers know, and it's something that we've talked about in the series of webinars that we've held in our podcast, publishers have cultivated a, a lot of um, first-party data, as you mentioned, um, over, over the years, um, especially in the last couple of years where there's been so much focus on um, trying to leverage this, whether to activate it for you know, improving an editorial strategy or for um, other purposes for engagement, activation, and advertising, et cetera. Because they know buried in all this data, there's this really there are these really valuable insights. I guess it's a matter of getting it out. Um, obviously, AI has the potential to help publishers decode, activate that huge mountain of data they've acquired. So, 
in your opinion, um, how can improve the, so let's start with distribution of then uh, user engagement, which you just touched on. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the personalization of that content, as you start to, to learn more individual readers, you know, what, what this next generation of AI has started to enable and will continue to enable is really being able to personalize the, the content and the content experience uh, for each individual. And as you give your reader back more value, share more information. So, you know, that can be around content discussion, helping them find, you know, the, the content or, you know, derivative content conversations about content that are really relevant to them and they, they find value in sharing more about themselves. So you can help them find more interesting things, you know, tailoring that content to their worldview, you know, why have one version of an article when you could have 50 versions of an article that resonate more with, with people's lens that they want to consume content through or the style that they want to consume content through, um, you know, giving opportunity to find the right places to distribute the, the content to AI can, uh, can give clues around, you know, that, and then, you know, obviously what I mentioned earlier, the monetization side of it is, is important. Um, you know, in terms of, in terms of engagement, I think there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity there. Um, you know, right, right now, everything is not an interactive experience. I think a version of the future is where most things are interactive. You can, you know, imagine a world where you're interacting in conversations with your appliances and everything around your house. You can imagine a world where you're interacting with every page on the internet in an engaging way and not just consuming something, but sharing ideas back and connecting with, you know, other like-minded people, other like-minded AIs. So I, I think that's an area where you, you can drive value to the, the readers as well as the the authors, advertisers. And we're seeing a little bit, we're, we're seeing some of this. I mean, obviously some of what you just said is pretty far in the future, maybe not as far as I think, um, but not probably something that, huh? Give it five years. You never know. Five years. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think some of it too is are things that publishers can kind of do right away, right? Um, powering article suggestions, tailoring content, something that we've heard that's interesting that is in is in there what you were just saying um is using it to like we said dig through those mountains of data and further kind of tailor editorial strategy towards yeah like you said the worldview or um of the of their audience um so uh, speaking of and very relatedly um the, another thing we hear from our partners a lot um is about um sorry, uh, totally lost my place, is about our running experiments. Um, and we know every publisher is looking for advantages to keep their users on their site longer, return more frequently, um, sign up for content, sign up for subscriptions, things like that. Um, and to do this, there is an entire uh, team at you know every large publisher running continuous experiments, trying out pricing tiers, uh, new methods to attract registered users, et cetera. Um, the outcome of the experiments tells publishers 
what products to feature, you know, what, what sort of editorial is performing the best for um, s- subscriptions, things like that. Um, so kind of three-part question building on what we've been talking about. Um, how do you imagine, I'll, I'll, but then we can kind of break them down one by one. Um, how would you recommend publishers can uh, run these experiments? Um, what are a few examples of AI, sorry, of course, using AI. And what are a few examples of AI experiments that publishers can conduct? Um, let's start with those two first. Yeah, I think there's some really creative and interesting things that, you know, I can't say for sure are going to be the, the things that move the needle, but I, I think are worth experimenting with that are just starting to become possible. You know, one, again, is kind of this AI as an assistive tool at helping design some of those experiments. So to the extent you're A-B testing on, you know, end users, what are some of the ideas that you, you might test? You know, that, that could be changes to content, changes to layouts, changes to images. You know, I, I think using generative AI to brainstorm some of these things, you know, opens up, you know, another input in, into the room. You may have an amazing creative team, but Sometimes AI will look at things in a less human way that'll spawn a more human idea. So I, I think that's one area that y- you can do today. You know, you, you'd be surprised if you kind of just write down the problem you're trying to solve and paste it into GPT-4. It'll give you back some ideas. The best ones, but they might trigger the best ones. The other way that I think is really interesting is to start to think about testing not just on humans, but test content on AI. So can you create a simulated reader? Can you build a a fine-tuned large language model that acts as a persona of your reader? Can you build a hundred of them? Can you build a thousand of those and test content on a target group of AIs? You know, what what if you were this type of person with this type of personality and, and get that feedback? You can even then use those AIs to simulate what conversations might people, our readers, have with each other about the content that they just consumed? And you know, this is some of the research that we've done a lot of it. AI using AI to converse with other AI to you know come up with solutions or insights you can then surface um, up to kind of the decision making process. A couple ideas that I think are are pretty feasible today. Yeah. Um, I guess, um, that's, uh, all of those would obviously be extreme. What do you think is something, I mean, to, to a good portion of our, um, audience are the sort of larger publishers that will be able to employ a team of data scientists and AI, uh, you know, engineers to, to build and work with LLMs and, um, you know, uh, other AI tech, um, what do you think if you could make any kind of recommendation just uh, pointing in the in the direction for some of the smaller teams that might be um here today um what do you think maybe one, if you have one or two ideas off the cuff kind of that might be able to um help people yeah i mean a, a couple couple ideas there you don't have to be a, a data scientist or an ai engineer to have a natural language conversation. So this, this new interface to AI, these interactive large language models, ChatGPT and 
Anthropic and some of these others, everyone in your organization can brainstorm with it. Just talk to it as if it's your colleague and, you know, get, get ideas. You know, you, you don't have systems, you know, integrated into your existing processes anywhere where you might check with another colleague or, you know, brainstorm with a, a group, try it with AI. And I, I think that's a good, good place to start. And I would say not just for the smaller publishers, but also the big ones, as you want to start to integrate it more deeply, I would not do it on your own, you know, go find experts, build, build up your team, but also, you know, bring in, bring in outside expertise. They, you know, that, that have been doing this for a long time. I think you can jumpstart your own team's learning and, you know, build on top of a, a lot of research and thinking and tools and technology have already created and can bring to the table there. So that's, you know, at AI Foundation, AIXYZ, we've done several partnerships in the media industry, and it, it's really fun for both sides. You know, there's, you know, AI engineers need to ramp up on a, a new domain, but, you know, we kind of exchange knowledge the other way. We ramp up people that have ever used AI this way to, to think about trying things differently. So I think it's partnerships are the way to go. That's great. Um, okay. And, um, with that, those are the few questions that I've prepared for us to talk about. Um, and we can open up to the, to the, floor, any questions anybody in the audience might have. Um, we've already got one. Uh, so I will, we'll go to that one first. Uh, so this is from, um, Chris Gillespie. Sorry. Um, this question, how do you see social platforms navigating AI? For instance, LinkedIn now allows people to write posts with generative AI, which definition requires no thinking. Very true. Um, so uh, how do you see social platforms navigating AI moving forward? So yeah. There's multiple I mean, dimensions to take it from. I think, well, one answer is you can't ignore it, right? You will you'll be irrelevant. So the, the general population now is aware of what can be done, and they're going to expect these types of generative AI tools to be embedded in a seamless way in their experiences. Um, I think it's important to, to your use case, you know, requiring a thinking, I think it's important, important to embed it in a way that is helpful when, you know, AI works for you, when you need help, but it's not trying to impose its, its view or steer you or, or kind of drive you, you don't work for the AI. So, you know, there's no avoiding these tools. I, I think, I think of these large language models as, as like the calculator for language. You know, when calculators first came out, you could make the argument that, well, that's great. Now doing multiplication requires no thinking. Well, there's, there's better things to do with your brain that does require thinking than doing multiplication. And I think we're going to find the same thing. You know, do you want to spend your time thinking about, you know, typos and grammatically correct sentences or the ideas that you're probably trying to put into those sentences and you know the the influence that you want to have about it so i think that there's this is going to be a, a ride for the next five years for for everybody um and social media platforms are no exception they need to adopt it i really like that analogy of the calculator um it's a good way to think about it um, let's go on to the next question. We actually, as, as soon as I said it, we had a bunch of them pour in. Um, 
So we got a few to go. Um, anybody in the audience, if you um, look at the Q&A tab, you have the ability to vote up and down on these uh, questions that are being asked. I'm going to go through the ones that have the most votes. Uh, so, you know, please go ahead, vote, uh, take a look, um, um, see which ones you, you'd like to hear the answer to. Um, we got a few more minutes to go. Um, so with the next one in order, um, what are your thoughts on enhancing copy for user-generated content? Um, the, it goes on, if we aren't the original author of a piece of copy, is it morally acceptable else's copy with AI? It's a hard question we need to answer as a, a civilization at this point in time. The answer to that is usually yes if it's only humans involved. Can you be inspired by somebody else's works and write your own derivative that adds ideas to it and borrows from their, their ideas? That's how music is created. That's how a lot of content is created. So is now using a tool to help that process not. It lowers barrier to entry. More people can now reuse other people's content. Um, you know, the only answer I have to this right now is we, we need to look at right laws and, you know, derivative rights and um, figure out what side we want to land on. I mean, most AI has this challenge right now. Self driving cars held to the same standard as human driving cars. No. Like, is AI generated content going to be held to the same standard as human generated content? Probably not. But we'll, we'll see. That's, it's a good question. And we had another question about uh, copyright as well, which I think you touched on. Um, okay, we've got a new one that just shot up to the top here. Uh, this one from, I'm sorry, I'm definitely going to not do a great job with your name, Milane, perhaps. Uh, is there any company in this industry that you believe is doing a good use of generative AI so far? I mean, I, I hate to be biased here and shout out open web, but I, I know that there's some really good uses of open and within open web of generative AI. I, I don't know enough about what publishers are doing, you know, behind the scenes with generative AI. I suspect that that's a long list here of, of companies that, that are doing some really interesting so far. Um, broader AI industry, you know, my shout out would go to OpenAI, who's, you know, right on the cutting edge of, of what they're doing. And I, I think they'll continue to, to bring interesting ideas and tools across all industries and including to, to media. Um, we've got another one here from Katie Vogel. Uh, journalists have a lot of skepticism about AI and news. As we look at stories such as supermarket suggesting poisonous recipes via an AI-driven app, um, how can we decide safety and trust? Yeah, this is hard. I mean, I think it's good that so many people have started playing with these large language models because they, as their nature, they hallucinate. They make up information where there isn't information they've been trained on. Their goal is to sound good, not to be right. And it's a fundamentally different architecture to build an AI that, that's always right. And we haven't crack that in a way that's as generative as, as we want. Um, so you, you put safety rails in place, you know, you, you put other models that can check your generative models for certain rules. You know, for example, at, at AI Foundation, 
if anybody starts to talk about hurting themselves or these types of things, you're immediately kicked out of any generative conversation and into a very well-trained model that knows how to suggest help hotlines and you know what you putting putting these safety guidelines on there are, are very important. The other side of it though is just educating people when they're using generative AI, you know, these are a little bit of pathological liars right now. Don't trust everything just because it sounds really good that the AI says we need to be skeptical. Use AI to, to generate ideas, but always human curate it um, if there's any doubt. So we're, we're just at the very beginning of this and it'll get better and better, but be, be And I mean, personally, I'm already seeing so much improvement when Doll E2 came out, the things I could generate versus what I can ask Midjourney to do. They've already put some, um, some restrictions on it for sure. I've um, uh, got another question. This one from Jeff Griffith. Uh, you mentioned tapping experts in AI. How can an expert... Yeah, that, that's a hard world to navigate because you can take a boot camp now and be a chat GPT prompt engineer expert. So, you know, what, what, um, I would look for things. I would, I would look for people who have either published research, been part of, of research, have submitted papers to conferences that can be from academia, you know, commercial world. Um, you you want to find people that, you know, have been doing this a while, and, you know, really understand the underlying nature of AI. Um, and secondly, finding, finding people who have been solving the type of problem you're looking to solve with AI for, for a period of time. And, you know, period of time can only be a year or two in, in AI time, you, you know, a lot happens, but, you know, find people that, you know, have some domain knowledge and in, in the problem that you're solving. Um, and, you know, use, use reputable companies, you know, you, you can't go wrong with some of the, the big consultancies, but, you know, those are, those are going to be expensive. You can find smaller consultancies or, or other companies to partner with that, that have that talent. All right. And um, we actually are at time, but Rob, if you have two more minutes, we actually only have two more questions uh, and I'll it. cut it off here. If you need to go, that's fine. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, and this next one I wanted to make some time for um, because I think it, I mean, I'm sitting here at open web. You'll understand. I think why uh, I mentioned open web quick question from Patrick Giblin. Do you see a way for publishers to work together with AI to create a quote unquote walled garden that can help shift more revenue and value to their products together versus continuing to rely on Google? Yeah, I mean, that, that is, as I understand it, a lot of the vision that, you know, open web is, is focused on. I, I wouldn't call it a walled garden. I would call it an, an open internet that you know gives an alternative to the walled gardens but um yeah i mean you the content is king in the future data is king in the world of ai and to the extent that you can start to connect user experiences across you know even com competitive publishers like if you have an article about a topic that another publisher has an article about, why not start to let people engage around a topic as opposed to an article? So I, I think you can start to, to take some of that, that engagement away from, you know, it's a shame you go really 
well-written article on a site and then, you know, go on to Twitter and Reddit to discuss it there. You know, why, why are you giving that engagement away when you created the, the origination of that engagement? So, yeah, I, I would love to see more of that. And I think everyone would win, publishers would win, the, the readers would win, and, you know, frankly, advertisers would also win. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we have one question left. I think you, you kind of already. Um, this is uh, from Dana Lehman. Do you envision universities offering classes and courses on AI and how to best use it um, across somebody's career? Talks a little bit about the boot camps. Um, yeah. Anything else you would want to say about that? I mean, you go to to India right now, like every corner is not a seven. It's like a chat GPT training course there. You, you can, you, you can, you know, these, these economies that are fighting for upskilling and people into the newest jobs are, are already jumping on this. I think we're a, a little bit behind. We, we got our education through viral TikTok and other social media content, you know, to get everybody to play with, with it. But we're seeing courses for executives on how do you take generative AI into the workplace. And, you know, I think, I think we'll see a lot more of this. I'd, I'd be shocked if, you know, business courses and colleges don't have at least a few classes on how do you integrate AI into every aspect of, of what you do in a business. So I, that's our future. The faster we all, you know, get smart about it, I, I think the less scary the future will be. It's, uh, it's going to move fast, but I think we're ready for it. All right, and sounds like a good place to leave it too. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to talking more. All right, you've been listening to the Community Exchange, an open web podcast that tracks the emerging community economy by talking to the leaders, bringing it to life. Rob, thank you for your time and for sharing your insights. Everybody else, we'll see you at the next episode.